This is Inner Healing Paths podcast. Here we discuss the healing of the mind, body, soul, and spirit through a variety of different paths. We have emotional and spiritually minded conversations centering on ancestral healing, psychology, astrology, yoga, meditation, magic, and indigenous spiritual practices of the world. I am your host, Rosa Shetty, and I am so happy you are here. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Rosa. Thank you so much for joining again. Thank you for listening, for keeping up with with this podcast. I received so many comments and so much feedback from the last episode that I shared. Uh, and, and I'm just so grateful that, you know, you, you all had so many, um, good wishes towards me and, and some of you open up about your own experience and, you know, it's made me realize, uh, grief and loss and, you know, pregnancy loss specifically, it is such a universal pain that so many of us experience. And unfortunately, it's not talked about enough. So when we go through something like that, we often feel very alone. And, you know, like, like we're the only ones that have experienced this. And so the beauty of being able to share your story or to to share with someone is that you open up that door for others to feel empowered, to share their journey, their story, and to feel less alone on their process, on their grief. So I, I'm so glad that it resonated with so many of you and I welcome your stories, welcome your kind words and support. And moving on to today's episode this is with Carolina Quiroz. She is a mental health therapist and she's from California. And Carolina and I, we met through the book club that I host. So she joined our book club when we started back in August and we've been connecting there ever since. And it's been such an honor and pleasure to meet her and get to know her and, and having her on the podcast, sharing her, her story she shares uh, what inspired her to become a therapist. She talks about navigating an eating disorder when she was a teenager. Uh, we also talk about spirituality and Buddhism, and we talk about books and nutrition and yoga. And as a therapist, she she shared some of her her some tips and strategies that help her rest and restore and help her clients recover. And it's it was such a treat talking to her and. I am so excited for you all to listen to her story. So if you want to get to know Carolina a little more, you can follow her on Instagram at Consulting with Carolina. And I'm going to include that in the show notes as well. And before we go to the actual episode, just want to remind you all that you can sign up for my newsletter. You can also send me an email, um, which is in the show notes. If you want to collaborate or nominate yourself or, or someone else to be on the show, I also want to let you all know that I have a book that I self-publish and it's on Amazon for $6.99 and it's a book on inner child healing meditations, starting from connecting with your inner baby all the way to connecting with your inner teenager. 
and there's um, there's space to write and journal about it after each meditation. If you do get it uh, and you share it on social media, please tag me. I would love to reshare that. Also, if you do a shout out uh, to the podcast, please tag me so I can share with everyone. So again, thank you so much for listening. I'm going to leave you all now to the episode with Carolina Quiroz. Take a listen. Welcome, Carolina, to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Rosa. Like I was telling you, I'm it's such an honor, especially after listening to all of your um, previous um, episodes. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's interviewed such wonderful and amazing people. And oh. I was like, I'm just so humbled that she wanted to talk to me too. Oh no, you! Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast and. And, you know, to get started, I, I would love to ask you to share with us a little bit about yourself, uh, just for the folks that are not familiar with you and the healing work that you do. Yeah, well, first of all, even that word, like healing work, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, that's like such an honor in such a way. Sometimes I feel like, am I, is this, wow, is what my my work, this level of, it's a merit, that title. and um. So I'm really grateful even you mentioned that. Um, but yeah, I've been, uh, my primary kind of work as healing work um, would be as a therapist. Um, I've been a therapist. I was just noticing I graduated grad school. It's going to be 10 years this year. So it's been about 10 years since I've been um, practicing as a therapist. Um, and it's just amazing even to look back and I'm like, oh my God, it's been 10 years. And then for the past more like, um, I'd say, um, two years or so, I I started becoming a, a consultant um, for EMDR therapy. I met, I crossed paths with EMDR therapy about five years ago, and I just kind of kept being curious. And then I got trained, I got certified, and then I worked on my consultant hours, which I just completed. And so that's been my other path. And I really loved it, loved talking to other therapists and learning from each other. And then also specifically for like people, um, you know, within the Latinx community or just the BIPOC community, I'm just, um, I just love having that opportunity um, to share um, because even when my path as a, as a therapist or even as a consultant, there is a lot of white spaces. So uh, it's really nice for me to, to give back some uh, uh, spaces for the BIPOC community. Um, but yeah, it's been about 10 years in that, in that healing journey as me sharing healing, I suppose my own personal healing journey has probably been all my life. So, um, and I'd love to share some of that as well. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing. Um, and, you know, I do want to ask you, how did you find your, your calling as, as a therapist? Or I don't know if you want to call it a calling or the path, you know, to become a therapist. <laughs> you know what? That's, that's such a great question. And I think over the years, I've gotten more attuned to what maybe were some of the things that led me to it even our last conversation by the way this is a plug-in for Rosa's book club <laughs> um, um oh, like remember <laughs> we're talking about um one of the characters and how he had his own gifts right and that just because um you know 
this is a space where they're becoming a therapist, but something just part of this community, right? Part of this Western community that I think it just led to me becoming a therapist. I suppose if it was a different community, right? And we were back with some of my ancestors, indigenous ancestors, there was no therapist. I would have been something else, you know what I mean? So I think in part, um, there's that. It's just like, that was the... um, the the opportunity that was available um but for me also i think i've always been a very empathetic person and um in that i think came mostly from my parents like they're very empathetic people um and they really like to help people out um they've always been like that all their lives um and so i think that got passed down to me. And also I think as, as like part of the um, the Mexican community or the Latino community, I think we're giving is an act of love for us. And so I think there were just some things that were inherited to who I am, but also um, some things that um, I inherited from my parents and who they are as people. Um, so I think that was probably one of the main factors of how I became a therapist. Um, and, and there's so many other things I'm sure that I can't even think of it and uh, think of right now. Okay. And Carolina, you mentioned about being empathetic and I was wondering, cause I identify or I, I consider myself a highly sensitive person mm. and, with that comes this high level of empathy Mm -hmm. uh and you mentioned yourself being very empathetic and getting that from from your family from your parents so i'm wondering if you're familiar with highly sensitive people and if if you are do you consider yourself that or highly sensitive yeah yeah i've heard of that term maybe a couple years ago i think it's more of a recent term right like recently i thought it was excellent and actually it was introduced by by a client of mine and she's like have you heard of this um and i was like oh well thank you so much for letting me know um i think i can be highly sensitive um when it comes to certain things in my life certainly when it comes to people and um I'm very attuned to them. Um, like I said, my parents are very empathetic, sometimes overly sympathetic, where they've kind of placed their needs um, secondary to other people's needs. And um, so I've had to learn also how to balance that out. But I feel like in other areas, I could actually learn how to be more sensitive. Um, so um, yeah, I I would consider myself in some areas, particularly when it comes to people. Yes, I am very sensitive to their energy. And, um, and I, there's a lot of regulation that comes with it for me. um, Because, um, you know, I know could sometimes feel so hard in my heart, even though cognitively, like, right, I'm like, Oh, yeah, of course, they could say no, I could say no, it's all good, right? But then when someone says no, or or something, it's like my heart is like, like, you know, it feels so much. 
Um, so um, I definitely have that when it comes to people. And it's such an asset as a therapist and even as a consultant and as a mom. Um, but also I've had to learn how to balance it because I could become really overwhelming when I hear a response that even though cognitively I'm good with, my heart is so sensitive to it. No, I think that's been my journey too, just as a, as a sensitive person, also very empathetic to be able to set those emotional boundaries with whether it's family, clients, you know, I, I think that the young, my, my younger self, um, maybe the, myself as a new therapist, I, I don't think I had those boundaries. So it would just be overboard in terms of empathy. And that, you know, for me led to burnout just because I didn't know mm -hmm. how to dial back that, that, that level of empathy, especially at work or with the clients that I was, that I was working with when I, when I was very young. Uh, so I think I've made progress, but you know, empathy, I think it could be, it's a, such a wonderful gift, but if we, you know, for folks that don't learn how to set those boundaries, it could also be very, very overwhelming to live with this, you know, and I'm just talking about my own experience to live with this high level of empathy towards others, every, to, towards everyone, right? Or, or pets for me is like pets and children. And yes, it's just, my, it, it, it's just really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's been such a balance. And there's certain areas, like I mentioned, like I could be very sensitive when it comes to relationship even partnership um it's like sometimes I have to tell myself like okay Carolina I need you to breathe right now you know I you it, there's it's okay to be uncomfortable if it's safe you know um there's no reason to like I'm done <laughs> right my mind wants to like right because it's so uncomfortable to hold whatever those feelings are um, so I really had to literally talk to myself and I still do this until like just yesterday I did it right like just breathe it's it's gonna be okay just just it's okay and so one of the things I tell my clients when I work with them like everything that we're talking about all these practices I'm doing uh, and there's no end at least for most of us it's like a lifelong process of practice right I'm like, I also breathe through discomfort when I know it's safe, right? It's okay. Um, so yeah, absolutely agree with you, Rosa. Um, it's such a beautiful gift that has helped me connect. And I think um, it has helped me be a better therapist um, and just a better person in general, like being socially aware, socially conscious, right? But it's also... Um, it's so powerful that it could get overwhelming and there's a lot of rest and restore. I have to, I have to integrate rest and re uh, restore in my practice as well. Yeah. And going back to your story. So you becoming aware that you have these gifts, these things that have been passed on, you know, from your parents and um, did it just seem natural to go into this this field or did you explore with other things initially how did you decide okay um, the best place to use my gifts is, is in the therapy room yeah yeah 
I did explore different things. I, um, but interestingly enough, when like, I think I was in high school, right? When you have to make your decisions of like going to college and there's all of those conversations that you have with parents, or at least my parents, my parents have always been very academic forward parents. Um, so it was always the conversation of like, okay, that you have to think about your career sort of thing. Um, so I don't know if it was just something within me that was like, well, just explore psychology, just go ahead and do it. And I, looking back, I think, of course, there was that, that being a high, being a sensitive person, being a very empathetic person, being raised by very sympathetic parents, um, also, there was a there was a period where I, I had a lot of somatic symptoms as a, as a child, and so there that I think that in it, its own develop a curiosity about my body and who I am in those kind of big questions that adolescents have, and um and and I was also struggling with uh well it would. I would say I, the beginning of an eating disorder during that, like during that time, and so I think that probably in my mind set the the path towards like me wanting questions and having questions and wanting answers, even and so it just it organically kind of happened that I was just like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna be a psych major sort of thing, and I care and I care. I, I mean, I went through all the way, you know. Um, but there was a period, especially when I was going to go to grad school, that I thought, wait, do I, is this, is this something I want? Or maybe, maybe it's something else. And I remember I took the LSAT because I at one point explored, um, you know, law. And, um, and I, I think my personality in some ways fit that also prototype. Um, but at the end of the day, I just felt like I still needed much more exploration on myself. Um, so I could be of service, whether it was in that law practice or as a therapist. And so at that point, um, I was coming out of it, that eating disorder. And so um, I think because I was in my path towards recovery, that um, it just felt like I owed it to myself to really engage in a practice where of self-discovery and therapy was a much better, better path than law. I just felt law would have just kept me in that same perfectionistic mindset. Hmm, thank you for sharing that because I feel that uh, we don't talk about this enough as, as therapists in terms of how our own healing journey is connected to our path, um, becoming a therapist, right, or, or yeah. our career. And I think it's so important to, to to talk about it because we all, you know, there's a reason why we're in this field, helping others. You know, there's, it's, I don't think anyone can say that they go into becoming a therapist um, or, or working, you know, with, with a specific population if there isn't some kind of resonance in either consciously or unconsciously with the work or some kind of search for, our own um, healing or our own medicine, you know, almost like searching for the medicine that we need. And, and the reality is that there is so much growth that happens when we, when we help others in that process of helping, of helping others. Inevitably, we, we end up learning a lot, of course, but also gaining a lot of um, 
wisdom, a lot of insight about what is going on within us. You know, the, you know, that's aside from any therapeutic work that we're doing individually. I think just <laughs> being a therapist it just opens opens up a lot of a lot of doors within our our psyche, within our mind, and our heart. That um, that you know, which is why we're there. Right. Yeah. We're there with yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, at least for me, um, uh, knowing myself better, being more confident and comfortable in who I am, my body, right, um, is something that really, truly makes me a better therapist, right? Because there. I could genuinely and honestly tell my clients, like, no, I, I've done this work. Like, I really have done this work. I know it's hard. It's still hard, right? Um, and um, it's so interesting because I think even just right now, as I was reflecting on what I shared, um, it took me a very long time to share about my eating disorder up until most recent years. I've definitely am more comfortable in part because of what we're talking about, the healing, uh, because I felt like I didn't have enough recovery um, in my in my progress uh, in my healing within uh, within that eating disorder stage of my life that I just felt like, oh, I can't touch it. I can't talk about it. And I literally wouldn't touch it or talk about it, you know? And I don't think that was necessarily a bad thing. I don't think there's a right or wrong way. I think I think it's beautiful when people are struggling and they're talking about their struggle. Um, but for me personally, I felt like I owed it to myself and even to the people that I work with that I wanted to be in a good place in my recovery to even take on clients with eating disorders. You know, um, at one point I was like, oh, I, I don't think this is, I'm, I'm not ready to see someone with an eating disorder, right? Um, and so once uh, a couple years now that I felt like I'm much better and I'm definitely in a better place with my relationship with my body, that was kind of the check marker. Um, like I, last time, not so long ago, I was talking to my sister and I was like, you know, that the body dysmorphia, um, it's not really there anymore. Like I could look at my body and I'm like, my gosh, you need to gain some weight. It's kind of, it's kind of too thin. That would have never entered my mind, you know, when I was like in undergrad, you know? Um, so it is so true. I think because I took my time to really heal and to really take my time to see what that even meant for me, uh, it really helped me become a better therapist and help people in their process of healing. Yeah. Well, thank you for for sharing that with us. And, and yeah, I think it's so important to honor our own process and healing and and for you as a therapist it sounds like you you made um an effort to remain aware about about your healing journey and noticing when it was when you were ready when it was time to to yeah. share your healing journey or to extend that to folks that are struggling with what you went through i think it takes a lot of self-awareness to know when we're ready to take that step yeah right 
Absolutely. I love that. I, to know when we're ready, that is so important. I, it's right. It's taken me so many years to really know, like tell my, ask myself what feels right. And that's, that's such a simple practice, right? But it's when we have layers and layers of stuff, um, it is like we have to we have to up, uh, lift some of those layers to really know how do does do I really like that does that feel right um as a therapist that's one of the fundamental practices of my practice as a therapist i think any 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 client that knows me will know be like how does that feel to you does that okay does does that how does that feel does that feel right and where does where does it feel right in the body you know, I don't give people advice or even in like, even when we're like, well, I'm not sure if that's going to be, that's going to be right. You know, um, of course, if there's any like safety concerns, we're going to talk about it, but it's because it's so important for someone to find out what is right for them. Right. And if I were to tell them like, well, you know, that is wrong right as as the knower right um that um it would take that away from them it would take that process from them and i certainly would never want anyone to take that from me and so if anything i encourage that space of like does it feel right and i always tell them well you know and if it doesn't work out then we learn that it didn't work out so there you go <laughs> it's a win-win either way is it is it going to be harder probably if we're if we made a mistake but you know then we learn that it okay now we know for sure this time <laughs> i love that what feels right to ask yourself that and that, what a great suggestion for and reminder to to myself and for the folks listening as a way to check in with your body with your heart with your spirit when making a decision right when trying to figure out what to do and I, and I think when we're able to quiet our mind and check in with our body and ask that question, I think we I, inevitably will we'll get insight as to where we're at, where our heart is regarding a decision or anything, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah. It's so important, such an important process. Um, and even as a mom, right? Um I try to, I try to obviously teach that to my child, um, to the point that, um, he, he sometimes becomes a little bit of a know-it-all. Um, but I think it's so, it's so wonderful. I'd rather him know for sure <laughs> and be in, and tell me how wrong I am, um, than to take that from him. Right. Um, also because, you know, uh, even racing, um, I only have one child. He, he's a boy. And um, I think as a socially conscious person that I try to be, right, I know he's going to grow up, right? And he's he's a, he's a brown boy, right? And there's going to be, and, and we live in a place where um, his words, you know, who he is, his identity is not always the most valuable in this society. So I really want him to grow up and to know that no, he has his value. And he knows what his value is, you know, just like for me, I also I had to learn I, I come from parents that like, 
always really valued our culture and our heritage. So that was that actually helped me a lot. But I also had to learn some of that on my own, you know, and so um, it's so important for me to give that to him to know, like, no, you know, you know, what's right for you, you know, Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure you you maybe feel similar with your little one as well. Yeah. It's funny because when you were saying that, what came to mind, I, I tell my, I'm trying to, she's, she's little, she's, she's three and a half, but um, I tell her to check in with her body. What does your body say? That's working on that. And, and she uses that sometimes too. You know, so the other day I was, uh, I, I was trying to give her dinner and I was telling her, okay, you need to eat. And she was like, my body says, no, <laughs> I didn't even bring that up at that moment, but she remembered. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, but you still need to eat. Yeah. But, right. Know, it's, it's like they, they, but I, but it's, it's a way for them to start practicing their checking in using their yeah. voice yeah. and letting us know <laughs> where they're at. I love yeah. that. I love that. It's like the feminist part of me, which is another very intersectional feminism. It's like that I, when I was an undergrad, I, when I first was introduced to it, and it's such a fundamental part of who I am and how I become to see, come to see the world that it reminds me also of my son. Well, of course, I taught him my body, my choice <laughs> since he was a baby right or yeah. in the home talking to him about this oh. I would read him feminist literature as, as a baby um, I love that yeah um and and even up until now she's like I'm like you need it's time to shower you're kind of stinky you know he's like it's my body <laughs> my body if I want to be stinky right it's yeah. Like, yeah so they it's like what do you say to that you know but yeah it's I, like I'm like a... and then part of me is like oh my okay but you still need a shower he's gonna be stinky you know yeah no it's so it's funny how some you know they get so clever with everything and they're so smart but they get it right that that concept yeah. that we're trying to to instill yeah exactly they do I love get that they do get yeah. yeah so I want to go back to something you shared earlier about your process to that you know as a therapist you incorporate a lot of uh rest, rest and restore and a lot of self-care well you didn't use that word but you know it's um can you talk a little bit more about what you do as a therapist to to recover to replenish yourself in in regards to maybe having a very difficult week um as a you know, just living day to day as, as a therapist, as a mom, you know, what, what are some of the things that you use to, to help yourself recover? Yeah. Such a, such an important practice, I think for a therapist. And I, to be honest with you, I think when I first started therapy, I think I understood that cognitively, like, yeah, of course, you know, you have to decompress, right? But I absolutely wasn't doing it. You know, similar to you when you were mentioning about burnout, right? Uh, it's such a learning curve in anything, right? Um, but I remember not decompressing, right? And somehow thinking that I was doing great, right? Um, which it's not that I was a horrible therapist, definitely not. But um definitely I was not doing well, either. right? Um, so 
once I became aware of uh, that I wasn't a superwoman, uh, that uh, that I was human, right? Once the humility came in, um, that I began to just integrate practices, and I'm still doing it as we speak, right? The more, the merrier, sort of thing. Um, one was, um, of course, I think you mentioned self-care. Some of them are more connected to self-care, like um, coming back to my body was really, really being intentional about eating, especially with my history, right? I could easily skip meals. And the thing that I think most of us, right, when we're in the that phase of like, just like pushing through, <laughs> right? Or just in general, sometimes we might forget. Um, we do that. But for me, because of the history that I had, um, I could also lose my appetite. If I were to, if I skip breakfast, I am not hungry for lunch, right? So um, I became really aware because my body, talk about the body remembers, the body knows that as I was recovering, I was looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, oh my gosh, you look sick. What's going on? I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't eat. That's why you look sick. <laughs> you didn't eat. So what that was a really, and still is a really fundamental practice of rest and restore, um, of just being intentional to eat, to eat. Um, I wake up in the mornings and I would pack my son a lunch or I like get the breakfast ready for my dog. And then I'll also put like the tea kettle on. So I make sure I start with tea every morning and that's the, the, the what sets off then I drink my my I make green juices so then I drink my green juice and then I'll take a yogurt so it's it's almost the alarm setup like the practice of turn on the kettle um so making sure being intentional that I actually nourish my body right and and um so that was that's one even now and I still have to be intentional about it um and then the other one, Morris, came from, I've been practicing yoga for a couple of years, more consistently, maybe for the past five years. And so, um, of course, the movement of, of yoga, but even with yoga, I, in the beginning, I was, <laughs> I was doing a lot of vinyasa, which is mostly for um, muscle and tone. And so um, I had to really back off of that and really integrate yoga more as a spiritual practice, right? Um, where I remind myself I'm great. I remind myself to be grateful for my body and my brain and my abilities. Um, so that's another fundamental practice. I practice yoga regularly and it's just like, nope, I, I have to go. And I do a lot more restorative yoga as well. So that's another one. And of course, sleep. That's a big one. I also try to make sure I sleep as much as possible. But I would say um, those. And then for me, my spiritual um, restoration is, this is also more in the recent years, is um, Buddhist teachings are very, very grounding for me. And they always remind me um, just to have an open heart um, 
in all situations. And um, I really do try my best to practice that. Um, and it has really lifted my spirits. And um, even now, right, globally, so many things are happening. Um, and so it, it, I, every time I feel lost or I feel so overwhelmed by what's happening around the world or in my personal life, I will literally turn on, I, I have a, a podcast, um, that I follow a specific one or two, and I will turn it on and just listen to the teachings over and over and over again. Like, okay, get, get your heart back in place, get your heart back in place. Um, but yeah. Those are the Buddhism, um, nurturing my body, yoga, and then just the the other sleep and things like that. Thank you for sharing sharing your your journey with 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 that. I think it's so. Um, I mean, you described the I think some of the key elements for for healing also right it's it's really hard to heal when we're not sleeping well we're, we're not nourishing our body when we're not drinking enough water you know it really starts with with this and but this is often so or in movement right yoga and, and physical activity but these are the things that are often so overlooked or not even considered you know when it comes to getting started on the healing journey but as a therapist yeah this is fundamental right and how how do you make sure you keep the consistency of this going because I know so many folks including myself you know we start with something and then we can't keep it going or we can't keep that habit of making sure you know I have this every day that I sleep enough that I eat you know nourishing foods that I move my body what has helped you to keep that consistency in your life yeah um first of all no magic answer here not no do the answers right um yeah um no definitely not um but i think that interestingly enough what i think keeps my practice consistent um has more to do with you know um coming back to like um development of as the those earliest stages in my life during like you know like everybody's like early 20s and um when we're becoming adults and we're thinking who am I what am I all of those questions um I realized that I wanted to be a person that was true to my word and that always stood very clear for me and so it became developmentally speaking, right, a, a a value and a personality trait of who I am. That you you need to be a person of your word, and or you are a person of your word. And so if I'm asking someone like a client or even a consultee to to practice something, I better be sure. I have practiced this or I am practicing, or if not, it's like in my internal lines, like how dare you ask them if you're not doing it. And I think, um, so rather than like setting reminders or things, of course, things like that do help, but it, it has more to do with who, what is important to me 
as a person that that's my biggest reminder because it's almost like you know like in what is it like Jiminy Cricket in like the movie Pinocchio that the conscience right that's like that that's my Jiminy Cricket inside like the part of me that's like you said you're a person of your word so then you need to become a person of your word <laughs> that core value just really leads the way in terms of helping you practice the things that we, that you encourage others yeah absolutely yeah I think mm -hmm. above anything above any reminder because uh yes it, I will forget <laughs> as my son will tell you you will for, you forget um but above all is that like consciousness inside of me that reminds me of like, you know, uh, you you said you were a person of your word and I need you to keep that. And if not, I'm not going to be able to trust you. So how do you expect other people to trust you? You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that's the biggest thing that helps. Yeah. Me. yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you for, for sharing that. And um, I want to ask you, as you mentioned, doing yoga, Buddhist practices. Uh, what are your thoughts in terms of the role of um, spirituality in the healing journey, maybe just in your own healing journey, if you can see back the role that spirituality had? But um, I'm just curious about that because it sounds like you're a very spiritual person. And I'm wondering, what are your thoughts about, about healing through spirituality? Such a big question <laughs> sort of thing. Um, because I think that that has been like another um, healing path for me um, because um, I've almost like I've had to discover like I wasn't raised with Buddhist teachings, although um, some of the Buddhist teachings are very um similar to like indigenous practices that were inherited I think by by like our ancestors my parents right of uh, being kind having an open heart helping others all those things so in some ways they're not that dissimilar and maybe that's part of why they resonated with me too um but um I I was raised Catholic and very early on, I actually was just having this conversation with my sister like earlier today. Um, but really early on, I knew that it wasn't going to be for me. <laughs> going to church, I knew it wasn't going to be for me. Um, it first and the first and foremost, it didn't feel right. It just didn't feel right. Um and so um as I grew older and I understood more things, of course, I, I, there were so many factors of it that I didn't agree and still don't agree with. And, and I was religious as an institution. Um, but so there was a period where I didn't really connect spiritually with much outside. Um, I think a part of me always understood like higher power in some ways, but I didn't even know what that really meant for me. And it was until I think in part, like just in general, I grew older and I got more exposed to more things and I understood things a little different that um, 
I came across um, Buddhist teachings and they really just resonated with me because it didn't require going to any necessarily place, although you could go to temple if you want to. Um, it And it, it was simply about being a good human, basically. That's it. It didn't mean that my religion was better than yours. It didn't. So that really resonated with me. I was like, just be a good person. Just be a good person. Right. And, um, and that was very important for me. And it really helped me um, give me some direction on like, um, how to maintain, like I said earlier, my heart open, right? In in difficult moments in my life, or just in like socially, like there's so many horrible things that happen in this world, and how to continue to maintain a, an open heart, and also um, how to, um, you know, um, how it also has helped me. Interesting, also to connect back to like my like ancestors and teachings which I'm still am I have so much to learn but it really opened the door for spirituality to enter my heart again uh, after years of having of having it empty per se um so yeah like I said it's such a big such a big question but yes it is absolutely fundamental and I invite it in in therapy to come to your question (laughs) I deviated a little to come back to your question I do invite it and I'm definitely open whatever makes sense to the person like I said um I believe in there's a teaching in um Buddhist practice about karma right and karma being just any any effect any consequence of our actions whether it's positive negative neutral whatever it may be and respecting um, our individual karmic path. And so um, it is not my place to tell you you're right or wrong. It is your karmic path, good, bad, neutral, to figure that out for yourself. And so um, I definitely invite in spirituality if they have it. And then I allow it for exploration if they want it, if they want to explore. Um, it is something that I've definitely asked. It kind of parallel with my journey of spirituality. I think in the beginning, I had more of a Western mindset of like, we don't, you know, there's two separate things, therapy and, and spirituality or religion. And now as I feel very good about where I am, I think I'm a better, I have, I've hold much more space for that for a client as well. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and I agree. I agree with everything you have shared. I think spirituality is, is, I don't know, key. You know, it's so important and so critical uh, when folks are recovering, healing from trauma. Um, I I primarily work with sexual trauma survivors uh, from childhood. Uh, So I've noticed uh, just in the work that I do that for those that have a spiritual path, not necessarily religious, but just have some kind of spiritual connection. Uh, I've noticed that healing is sometimes, sometimes that, that healing journey happens 
in in a broader, richer, more profound way, because it goes beyond just what the, the mind is perceiving, what we're processing, the memories, right? It goes beyond, it's almost like there's that the, the, the client understands the healing of the energy of your spirit, of your soul, which is fundamental fundamentally connected to the to the trauma that happened so much of of the wounds that we experience also impact our our energy our soul our you know our spirit and and that's not something that we can really work through in in just by talking about what has happened or reprocessing memories so that that's part of the journey that i encourage my uh, my clients to that that are open to that to explore because i think they're the the, the healing is just that much profound and, and richer but um but yeah some folks are not and that's okay too right that's okay to 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 be to, i think you, you said to not have um space for that because maybe they were because of of spiritual practices and religion maybe that's what contributed to so much of the trauma um, and that's okay, right? That's that's okay. It's not a requirement for healing, but I have noticed a profound impact and impact on those that, that do open to to some form of spiritual practice. Absolutely. I'm always amazed by some of our colleagues, and maybe I mean I don't know if you also integrate some of these things. Like I've known colleagues that integrate like tarot reading or Reiki um into their practice. Um I think it's like just adding another layer of like normalizing like spirituality and connected to connection to the spirit. Um, and I agree with you. I'm I'm per, and on a personal level, still exploring more of that. Um, like I said, I don't think I'm in a place where I'll be like, yes, I will be. I'll be right. Like that is an area of focus of mine. I feel like I'm such a student still. Um, but I, I'm always so amazed, like, yes, because I, I remember a while back I read, oh, I think we remember in the book club, the, with the Curandera, um, book, forgot the title, Elena, the Women Elena. Who Glow in the Dark. Yeah. Women Who Glow in the Sun. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, and she's talking about like calling the spirit and it did remind me, I, I remember, I, I didn't even know why, um, but I remember when we used to go to places and like um, like a playground or a new place, when we were on the way back in the car, my mom would call our spirit. She would be like, vente, no te quedes. And she would call us by our names. And I didn't really understand what that was, but it just felt so like, like I was swayed. Right. And so interestingly enough, it was so ingrained in my consciousness that I, I still sometimes do that to myself, to my soul. I still call myself like, come on, Carolina, ven, Carolina. And it just feels so soothing. So yes, I absolutely, it, and it's so, un, like there the, there's no words almost, right? It's like you've reached another realm almost, you know? And um, there's no words to it, but like you feel it inside something like, connects yeah yeah absolutely i what i do love is 
in, in regards to our field of psychotherapy and the direction that it's going, I, I do see more of that uh, now, more more spirituality incorporated in, in some of the practices. I, I do a lot of parts work uh, informed by internal family systems, and I also practice EMDR with my clients. And inevitably, I mean, when we're doing parts work, I, inevitably we go we go there uh, even when we're you know doing EMDR and reprocessing difficult memories a lot of times um, I've experienced where some of my clients naturally connect with what they describe is um, you know they're reprocessing a difficult memory and over, you know as the session continues on at some point they start seeing a sense of um like they, they describe it as, oh, I, I feel like the sense of peace. Um, I, I see this, this uh, like everything's going to be okay. I see this light or I see so-and-so. They're reminding me that everything's okay. And it's, the, of course, it's their, their brain as we're reprocessing. But at the same time, I, as a therapist, I, I, I take those moments as indication for me as, as a spiritual person. Uh, this is the universe. This is that, that energy, that, that spirit moving through them also and helping them heal and see and they're seeing this in their mind's eye and they're sharing it with me in the context of emdr but it's it's so profound to to witness how you can go from such a horrible memory to after a reprocessing session to seeing a person that reminds them of calmness and uh, and lights and so i don't if you have you experienced that with with some of the folks that you work with yeah, I love that. Um, absolutely. I also, um, I also um, integrate parts work into into my uh, my practice as a therapist, and um, it's so interesting to see how. And I, IFS, I think has at least one of the best ways of explaining internal systems, um, and. Um, Yes, absolutely. I definitely see that integration. And um, I think I agree with you. I think there is something very spiritual and maybe not just cognitive that is happening in the healing. And I do think there's like some sort of collective consciousness happening um, where they're able to finally connect to all parts within um that is so beautiful and it can't just be cognitive and like I'm always amazed when I see it happening I'm like like I'm witnessing right I'm witnessing healing I'm witnessing integration um and and I think it's it's I think it's beautiful um and I think parts work specifically I've definitely integrated much more part work in the last maybe five years of my practice um, but I think parts work specifically is just such a powerful practice, um, for healing specifically for trauma, complex trauma, generational trauma. Um, I don't see it working any other way really, other than to integrate parts work. Right. Um, I was, I, what came to mind, um, I have a book. Yeah. And I'm trying to get the name of the author. Let me see if I have it here. Ooh. Oh, it's right here in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so his name is is Robert Faulkner. Okay. And he he's 
he um he's an IFS therapist that started um when this theory was developed with Richard Schwartz. Mm-hmm. And um so he's one of the founders also of the, of the theory. Mm-hmm. And so from him um I've learned about um unattached I think IFS calls it unattached beings if I'm remembering mm-hmm. correctly. I love um, that word just on its own, first of all. Yeah, some of them are not are unhelpful and others are more helpful. So when you think about uh, spirit guides, um, when you think about negative entities, so he goes there like deep into that world. And what I loved about it is that the internal family systems as a theory, which is a very uh-huh. comprehensive theory, a lot of research uh, supporting it, also goes there and and it uses this to explain that there are parts there are there are things that we cannot explain that are not part necessarily of us they're unattached they're unattached to us but they are but they're influencing our behavior so i i um i i recently got his book and he's going to be on my podcast in a few weeks and i'm really excited to to talk to him and he has an amazing amazing healing recovery story but he also wrote this book and um and it's oh, fascinating so i want to recommend it if you have uh, what's so, the title it sounds oh so, sorry the title is others within us ah. yeah you know Robert what it Falkner. reminded me of some of it it kind of well i just listened to mark's um that it didn't what it was the name of the title it didn't start with us uh about it didn't start with you it kind of reminds me of, of some epigenetic stuff, some of the stuff um, that it's not even, it's not ours to begin with. That's mm-hmm. something that I talk about in, in therapy. Like when we're re- like going back to EMD or reprocessing of memory, sometimes they're reprocessing and they're like, oh, they, they just keep looping on something. And sometimes there's no specific thing that's tied to that person. And it really is to use though it's it's something that's there, but it's still influencing it. And so sometimes some of the words that I've used, like, oh, there's something there that is never belonged to me in the first mm. And to be able to recognize that and to be like, yeah, no, it doesn't belong to me. Are you sure? And I some, you know, notice that, right? Are you sure? And then like, yeah, no, it doesn't belong to me. So it kind of reminds me of that, yeah. I think, as like trauma therapists or um, therapists that engage in trauma reprocessing. We've seen those moments where there are things there that don't really belong to that person, mm-hmm. but yet have impacted the person right. in their lives. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So fascinating. I think that's a whole other I think that in terms of psychotherapy, that's a whole uh, other field within the, our field that is evolving. And I think we're going to see a lot of change and growth in that. Um, and I'm excited because I'm all for it, uh, especially, have you heard of family constellations? Yeah. Yeah. So that work is very energy based. Oh um, there's so much that, that it's, it's almost like magic to, to witness in terms of how the insights that come up. And, and again, Mark Wallen, the, the author of It Didn't Start With You, that's his background, Family mm-hmm. Constellations. Oh, yes. He talks about it in the mm-hmm. book. Yeah. So he comes from that perspective of working in the 
energy field of a family. Oh, so it's yeah. not, so, and it could be family from two, three generations before and how it impacted yeah. your, you know, your grandma. Well, it could be mom. like miscarriages. I remember when I first, many years ago, I learned about it and I was just so shocked as a young therapist, how like, like, uh, like a miscarriage and that energy and like mm -hmm. the importance of you being able, it, it rem I got reminded by all of that because of the Dia de los Muertos and the mm -hmm. altar to be able to honor the energy of the presence and also in Buddhism, they're teaching like like everything has a purpose, right? All of this, well, the purpose is so important to honor them because it does have an impact on us. Yeah. Love that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, this is like a whole other this is podcast, this says but, podcast number two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so for the listeners, stay tuned. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to have the author of this book on the podcast, which is why I'm you know really trying to understand his his work and. But um, but yeah, I I I think it's it's so fascinating to to start seeing this recognition of the energy field of spirit world and how it impacts us as a as an individual, our mental health, and how to incorporate that to help to help us heal, to help our clients heal and get unstuck and and you know progress on their journey. I love that. I'll definitely be tuning in um, to hearing and I'll definitely be checking out that book as well. Yeah. I Check it out. So it's, it's, it's intense. It's a little intense, but, um, and, and I, I, I heard him on another podcast and he said that some of the stuff, like, I think half of the things that he wanted to talk about didn't even make it on this book, like part of his research. And because it is, it's heavy stuff, stuff that we're not used to hearing about, especially coming for me, coming from a Christian, Catholic uh, upbringing and family dynamics. You know, you're not used to talking about the spirit world in a neutral mm. way, right? It's either good or evil. Mm. And, and, and there's that fear of what is, what is this? Is, is this, is this a demon? Is this um, a negative entity? You know, so, so that book is, is, it goes into that, into that realm and it, and it explores that from a psychotherapy perspective. So, yeah, so it's really that. fascinating. So check it out. I will <laughs> check definitely it out. check yeah. it out. I've always been attuned and that's why I sent you a message the other time about the Dia de los Muertos Alta. Because oh. I remembered a while back, I had listened to something, there's some sort of medium and they were doing a reading and like the person that had hired for the reading asked them if like anybody could come in, including like people with like bad energy and the medium told them like, um, yes, they could potentially be near you, but also the, your ancestors are, can protect you from it. And so I, when I thought about that, I was like, I want to be very conscious of what energy I'm inviting into my home. So yes. I'm all about it. Sign me up. Let <laughs> me know. Sign me into the, what is it? The newsletter. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness. Well, well Diana, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. Yeah, and for the folks that would love to get to know more about you and your work, how can they find you? Yeah. Um, well, I think the best way to just find me is on my social media page is consulting with Carolina. Um, and then um, 
I'll be, I'm supposed, I'm in the works of setting up my um, consultation um, website for EMDR, for therapists that want to get certified in EMDR or want to become consultants in EMDR. Um, I'm so happy to share everything that I know, uh, whether it's in the therapy space and the consultation space. Wonderful. Thank you. And, and you're welcome anytime to come back and we can talk more about yes. all the spiritual stuff. Yes. And the altares I love, I love all that. <laughs> oh, well, thanks so much. I am. I'm so happy to have met you. Um, it's such a beautiful conversation with you. Um, and yeah, so thank you. And so thank you for all of this. I love your podcast, by the way. Oh, um, it's like, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Carolina. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that you found it healing and nourishing to your mind and soul. If there's a friend that you think would benefit from listening to this information, please share it. Share about our podcast. If you feel called to, please leave us a review as this really, really helps boost our presence here in Apple Podcasts and it makes it easier for others to find us to stay up to date on new episode releases and special events and projects that I'm working on. You can follow us on Instagram at Inner Healing Paths Podcast, and you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to my website, which is rosashettylcsw.com. And I will include this information and links in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again next time.